It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants Mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Thanks for being with us once again. I'm Paul Dottino. He is Super Bowl champion putter Jeff Fiegels. And we are with you for the next hour to wrap up Giants minicamp. And you can join the fun at 973-667-1960. 973-667-1960. You can also find us on Twitter at hashtag GiantsChat. I am at GiantsWFAN. He is at Jay Fiegels. And later on, you can find an archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcasts. Minicamp is over, Mr. Fiegels. (laughs) The veterans are going to be sent home. The rookies still have some orientations to go through. But, oh, my goodness, now we've got a seven-week black hole of uh, NFL news until training camp starts on July 27th. Yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting for everybody. I I do remember when I was playing, um, this was a very exciting time because you had come off of finishing um, your off-season program, which they started back in the days when I was doing it. They were starting it in March, um, and it went 16 weeks. So you were done, and then you had a mini camp, and then you were bye-bye or a lot of times it was just uh a certain time and this is you know they didn't have otas um all the time later in my career they did but this is an exciting time for the players they've got to see everybody on the team the new draft picks they got to see the new coaches that are there um some of the new new some of the plays some of the new schemes and um now they got to get now they got to stay and stay in shape that's the biggest thing because you know you heard about all these coaches paul our Chelsea coach judge talking about conditioning, getting the guys in here, getting their legs underneath them and getting um, them in football shape. And then all of a sudden you said there's a seven week black hole. Well, I do remember when I would go away, a lot of the guys would have to continue to work out and run. And they give you a little booklet that has a, you know, four days a week still working out. There's, this isn't, this isn't a vacation time, although it is a time to take a vacation. And that was the exciting part that I look forward to after all this was done is to go on vacation with my family and get my mind right, ready to go for training camp. Well, this does bring us to one tweet that I'd like to get out of the way before we get to the mini news of the day. And then our phone calls, Tim, who is at the Giants good yet, uh, wants to know, Jeff, Mm -hmm. as a player, what benefits come out of these mini camps? Oh, there's lots of stuff. I mean, what I just said is one, you know, getting to know, the players and kind of understanding who you're going to be working with and who's going to be in your meeting rooms with you and getting to know the coaches. Um, the benefit is, is that a couple, I mean, tons of things. Number one, where am I on the depth chart? Um, you, you and I may not see it, Paul. There is a depth chart. Okay. And so the players see it, it's on the it's on, it's in the building, it's in their classroom. So you can kind of get an idea of where I am. And, you know, that's a benefit. I mean, now I know I got to work up the, work up the uh, pecking order. And then also you get to understand what it is that this offense or defense or special teams is going to ask of you going into training camp. You get to see where you're going to, how you're going to compete and kind of get an idea of where you fit on the, this team. There's a lot of guys that are here um, with probably thinking to themselves, there's no way and you know what, that I'm going to make this team, but I, I, got, a, I got a chance. And the benefit of being in minicamp is seeing how hard it's going to be or maybe you, you might see that you won't be able to do it, Paul. So lots of lots of benefits for mini camps, and the good thing about it is if you can come out of mini camp without any injuries, um, then you can kind of go into the off season knowing that you are only rehabbing the guys that aren't here right now. And I think many of the players have already expressed to us this week that after last year's off season, when the entire program was basically virtual because of the pandemic, they are so much more comfortable. Uh, in in symmetry Mm -hmm. with their teammates, the familiarity of being around this coaching staff for the second straight season. Uh, They just just seem to be so much more in tune and in step now that things are a bit more back to normal, although we're not quite there yet. 
Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, uh, the football guys, they're all creatures of habit, Paul. You know that. They know that in March, this is what they do. April, this is what they do. Um, July, August, they know that. Last year, nobody knew what was going on. So they kind of was really kind of a crazy situation. And then going into the season with nobody in the stands and the whole COVID thing. This is back to a little bit of normality. And um, I think that this is, you have the off-season workout program. You have your OTAs. You have your mini camp. You're going to have your full training camp. You're talking about scrimmaging other teams possibly like guys have done in the past. All this stuff is, this is normal stuff. And so that's exciting. That's exciting for the player. And, and yes, it does give them a chance to be a little bit normal rather than abnormal like last year. Okay, Jeff, let's get to the mini news of the day. You just alluded to it moments ago. I know in some of the out-of-town media there have been suggestions that this was going to happen. But today, Joe Judge confirmed that he is planning to have dual practice sessions with the Cleveland Browns and the New England Patriots the weeks of their preseason games. Now, that would be on August 22nd uh, against the uh, Giants and Browns are home, but the practice sessions, as I understand it, would be in Cleveland. And the Giants and the Patriots play on August the 29th in the preseason finale, and the practice sessions, as he explained it, um, would be in Foxborough. Now, here's the thing. They still need to work out some issues, so they're not locked in. But this is what Joe Judge is planning. He said the benefits are a couple of, of reasons why. Number one, it gives you a chance to go up against different guys. Number two, it gives you exposure to different schemes that you may have to work against during the course of the season. And then number three, he believes it breaks up some of the monotony of training camp for the players. And it sounded like, if you listen carefully to his answer earlier to the media, it sounds like he and Bill Belichick are going to have a reciprocal next year, and the Patriots and Giants will do this again in 2022. He's a big proponent of it. He also says it's important that you know the coaches that you're going to do this with because you can have confidence and trust them that they'll get the productive uh, production that they want, and they'll also be done safely. Yeah. Oh, that's it. You remember – uh, Bill Belichick's been doing this a long time, and, and he has. If, if you've ever had uh, listened to him talk about it, he's a proponent of it too. And obviously, Joe Judge was there with him, so has saw the benefits of it. Um, there's a couple things here, Paul, from experience. Okay, number one, um, uh, you hit the nail on the head, or he hit the nail on the head. You got to have symmetry. I'm going to use that word, okay? Because if you don't, when we used to scrimmage the Jets. Um, it was it was just it was stupid, right? They came up, we had a nine, uh, a special teams period, and then the first thing they did nine on seven, and it was a fight, and they went home. It's just it it never worked. So, um, and that's a waste of everybody's time and money and resources. So, that's what he's talking about as far as having some symmetry. The guys can work together and you know collaborate in a way that is successful, and it works. And the other thing is is it's a great tool to evaluate the players against other people other than just this preseason game, you know, the 60 minutes of it where those guys are not getting in constantly. But when practices, if you got two practices and we, I remember a few years ago, I actually went up there when, when the giants went with the Bengals. Remember that we were up yes. there. Um, and it's, it's kind of like you get two full days of practices in and you really can evaluate your roster against other teams. So that's that's a good I think that's probably the biggest thing Paul in my mind is a, is being able to work against another team and evaluate your roster. I know that you're getting different schemes and things like that, but the fact of the matter is, you know, maybe they run a 4-3 and somebody, you know, want to go up against them. You don't have a lot of them in the league or you know what I'm saying like more teams 3-4, 4-3 whatever. You can work at some of those schemes, but I think for the biggest part is, is having those guys go up and, and compete against other players at that level, and it makes it easier for them to decide on the roster by having that evaluation process. Well, quite honestly, I think uh, we probably, in retrospect, should have taken the warning signs from the Giants-Bengals dual practices in Cincinnati in 2015 that uh, we didn't read it at the time, but we should have taken it as a warning sign because it turned out the Giants did not fare well during those few days of practices against Cincinnati and the season 
kind of proved it out to be true. The Giants were not a very good team that year. Yeah, but that, I mean, that doesn't mean that. (laughs) No, I'm just saying, you know, we keep looking at them going against themselves all the time. Mm -hmm. Here they were going up against another team, and those practices did not go that well. Mm -hmm. Cincinnati really kind of took it to them, and it gave you a better gauge of where they would be against other people. Yeah. You know, we, we, I remember, you know, John okay, and I would I talk all the that. time out yeah. of practice and we're like, well, look at this. These receivers are eating these defensive backs alive or vice versa. Well, all I remember from those practices is they couldn't color, cover Tyler Eifert. They couldn't yeah. cover A.J. Green and Geno Atkins destroyed them. And that was not a good sign no, in any way. But it, it absolutely happened, a thousand percent. And by the way, I think we were pretty honest about it, too, at the time, what we saw. We were, but we did not know necessarily that would translate into a difficult season. But those warning signs were there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All yeah. right, so so that goes to fortify what you're just talking about, Jeff, mm-hmm. that you're helping to evaluate your players. Mm-hmm. I do think there is a a an extra layer of evaluation when sure. you're going against somebody else in a different jersey and a different helmet. Final news item, uh, first-round draft pick wide receiver Kadarius Toney did not participate today. He had a family emergency, so he was personally uh, attending to it and was excused, and so uh, that's why he was not available to practice today. But Joe Judge has said he has been very pleased with him. They've been giving him a variety of things to do, trying to get him into different spots on the field, and uh, he is very, very happy with what he has seen from Tony so far. Having said all of this, I think it's time we get to our phone calls at 973-667-1960. Bash is up first on line number one. You're on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hello. How we doing, Paul? How we doing, Jeff? Well, how are you? I'm doing good. Um, I was thinking about starting over the week, and I just wanted to get y'all thoughts on it. I've been thinking about it for the past couple of weeks. So I get y'all thoughts on it. Heard it. They so just doing an excellent job as far as training right now, and he come back in shape, and he's looking good and everything. As far as training camp and everything, I want to get y'all thoughts on something I was thinking about as far as I know last year when we drafted Andrew Thomas, when we first when we first drafted, the thought was to have shoulder play left, and then Andrew play play right tackle for the first year, and then. Um, shoulder, I guess it then Andrew goes over to the left the following season, but with um, shoulder opting out for last year as far as for the COVID stuff, they had to end up hitting Andrews over to the left, and he did a good job. But I was thinking as far as with shoulder coming back this year, if he has a great training camp as far as their minicamp and training camp, is there a possibility as far as doing him coming back to the left and putting Andrews to the right for this season just to put the top five on a – on the line as far as shoulder being on the left and Andrews being on the right this season. Well, Bash, I don't Uh, think think you need to worry about that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, I'll let you go first, but I'll follow up with a, with a thought on this. Well, okay. That's fine. Thank you, Paul. Um, Bash, it's good. It's a, I think it's a a good question. I just think it's, it's very easy because, um, you know, you're, you're ultimately going to want Andrew Thomas as your left tackle for a long time. Um, I wouldn't rock the boat by moving him over there and then moving him back eventually. Just he's kind of he's got his own little place there, and he's going to be there for a while. You hope, and I think that Nate Solder is on the back nine of his career, and I think that he's going to be a guy that's going to compete legitimately at the right tackle spot. And if he does not make it, and Matt Parrott beats him out for the starting job, he'll be your swing guy. So if there was anything that ever happened to Andrew Thomas, he certainly could go back and play there because now he's got experience in that position. And he's got experience at the right tackle position. That's what I think will happen. Uh, Paul, how about you? Well, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Jeff. And I would say this: don't rule out the possibility. And I and I'll, look, let's not kid ourselves. Matthew Parrott is the future at right tackle for the Giants. It would be great if he's the guy for the present as well. I mean, I think we would all agree that it's to the Giants' benefit if he wins that job opening day. But if for some reason he does struggle some, remember he played only 150 snaps Mm -hmm. as a rookie last year, and actually by some counts that's really good. And we did see flashes out of him. But if he has a subpar camp and Nate Solders should beat him out, Joe Judge has made it very clear, the best guys will play. 
So if Solder wins the job, then he wins the job. And it's going to be up to Paired to try to fight like hell during the season to take it back. Yeah. Is that all, Bash? Yeah, I have one more question, and I'll take okay. it offline as far well, as ahead. the tight ends. As, as far as um, what do you think Kyle, Ru- um, Kyle Rudolph brings to the tight end room, especially to Evan Ingram as far as the tight ends, as far as being a veteran in the room, what can he do as far as to help Evan Ingram being, um, going forward and being um, as far as Kyle Rudolph with Evan Ingram in the whole tight end room? And I'll take that offline as far as him helping that t- tight end room. Thank you, Bash. We appreciate the phone right. call. Jeff? Go ahead, Paulie. Uh, you want to go first? Well, I, I, all right. I'll, I'll, I I'll take this one if you like. Uh, look, Kyle Rudolph. Well, I'll take not it too. Only right? does I just he have a tremendous time, so. That's okay. I, look, I, I always defer to, uh, to the, the veterans who had the uniform on. Right. <laughs> you played this game, <laughs> Jeff. I did not. Uh, but, but I will say this Kyle Rudolph. Uh, not only has proven for many years that he's a good blocker at the NFL level, that he is a clutch receiver at the NFL level, that he's incredibly smart and knows how to get open, that he's got very good hands, and to be frank with you, from what we've always heard from his days at Notre Dame all the way through his time with the Vikings, is that he's a great teammate and a good leader. So I don't see how any of this is a loss for the Giants. It's a win, 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 win across the board. And I would assume that in the double tight end set, which I think you'll see a lot of, it can only help. Now, whether or not, you know, Evan Ingram's stats are impacted, I don't think anybody cares. I think the idea is that the Giants' offense is more productive. And it doesn't matter who gets the stats unless you're a fantasy football geek other than that, though, nobody cares. You just want the Giants' <laughs> offense to be able to put up enough points to win games. And I think Rudolph can help them do that. Jeff? Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that, well, you know, I tell you, you know, he, another question Bash asks is what he brings to the, to the room, you know, the tight end room, and how can he help uh, Evan Ingram? Um, you know, listen, I, I, I think that anytime you have a veteran that's played in the league longer than you have, you always can learn something from them, right? I mean, that's just the way it is. But the b- bottom line, too, is this. A lot of people don't think about this. How about Kyle Rudolph can learn a lot from Evan Ingram, okay? And I know that that's probably you're sitting there scratching your head like, what? Um, but, you know, there's, there's certain – these guys all have a, a certain skill set that every one of these guys are trying to, to get better, and maybe one has something that the other doesn't that they can – kind of collaborate together and listen to each other. But I will tell you that Kyle Rudolph will help Evan Ingram, maybe talk about a little bit concentration and focus and things like that to be able to – because Kyle Rudolph is not a guy that drops footballs, and that's a good thing, obviously. So, And that's one of the things that we all hope that Evan Ingram has worked on this offseason is catching the football um, and being able to go out there and have a tremendous year. But they both can learn from each other. I think that uh, both of them will have a presence because I think that Evan Ingram is a leader. And I think that a lot of times, Paul, when you're a guy coming from another team um, and, and you're a veteran player and you've been a leader on the other team, it takes a little while to kind of feel comfortable setting into that role. Um, some guys will do it right away, but mm-hmm. some guys will just take a little bit of time. It's just their way they are. You've seen that before. Like, for instance, sure. I'll tell you, what you know, when Logan Ryan got you... here, there, there was... Go ahead. When, when Logan Ryan came here, he settled into that role right away. It didn't take him much time at all to oh, he did. To, to let everybody know that he's going to lead, you know? so And other guys are different. Now, one other thing to mention regarding Rudolph. Today, Joe Judge was asked about the three players who are not really doing any work during this training camp. Rudolph Anderson, uh, that's Ryan Anderson, the linebacker who they signed from Washington this offseason, and second-year linebacker Cam Brown. Now, uh, Judge said all three are progressing on their own injury rehabs, and in particular, he mentioned that Rudolph has been great in the classroom, which is a key component when a guy goes to a new team. Uh, He also said there'll be no timetable, for any of these guys to return for uh, at least a month, and then they'll have a better gauge on when those guys will be actually able to get out onto the field and start doing things. Of course, by that time, we're already in early January, and they're in that dead period until players can get back out onto the field at training camp when it opens on July 27th. However, 
as you also know, Jeff, guys who are in medical treatment and in rehab, uh, they still get to be around the trainers as much as possible because, again, they're trying to come off injury. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then, you know, they have that, that pup list, Did I lose too. you? Um, well, they I'm are. Here. Yep. <laughs> exactly. I, 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 I said, I'm hearing a I lot said, of buzzing on the, on the line today, so I'm not sure, I'm not sure if we're getting some uh, heat index humidity sneaking into the, uh, into the uh, phone lines. Okay, so let's go back to the phones at 973-667-1960. Marty and Manahawkin is next on BBKL. Hello. Hey, Paul. How you doing? Uh, I'm, Marty, I'm are you there? To- Hi. Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Yeah, you break it up a bit, but we do have you. All right. Sorry about that. I have no control Hello? over it. Okay. No, no. I I wonder if the gremlins are in the phone lines today. But go ahead. Yeah, uh, I was just uh, wondering. Uh, I, I didn't know that there was a little bit of a falling out between the Giants and Jim Fossil. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. We're just having a little technical difficulty. Paul will be right back. They're they're doing something with his uh, machine. So, go ahead. Okay. Uh, I was just curious because I, I I was surprised to read that there was a falling out between Jim Fossil and the Giants over the years about being inducted into the Ring of Honor. And uh, you know, now that now that he's gone, uh, you know, I wonder if there's a possibility that that might happen this year. Well, Marty, first of all, uh, we don't get any votes or any any uh, opportunity to input uh, decisions uh, into the Ring of Honor situation. So that's something that, that we won't touch because that's not our call in any way, shape, or form. Uh, as far as Jim Fossil is concerned, he did help lead the Giants to Super Bowl thirty five. He did not win two rings as Bill Parcells did. He did not win two rings as Tom Coughlin did. Uh, did not win a championship as Jim Lee Howell did, uh, did not go to three straight league championship games as Ali Sherman did. Uh, so I would respectfully say, despite going to three postseasons in seven years as the Giants head coach, I would say the resume does not put him on the same shelf as those legendary Giants coaches. Now, to be respectful, there is no doubt that the Giants were, were on a bit of a rocky road when he got here and in 1997 got the Giants an NFC East title and a playoff appearance and helped get things back on track again. So by all means, Jim Fossil deserves credit for what he was able to do. But again, when you start talking about Ring of Honor, you're talking about guys who are on a very lofty shelf. And there's a lot of delineation there. Personally, and I speak only for me, I don't see how how he equates to those names that you refer to or those guys you 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 would have have to put him in place with uh having said that uh, i think it is important to note that jim fossil is the primary reason that jeff fegels signed with the giants in in 2003 and for that uh jeff i'd love you to speak about the influence that coach fossil had on you and this ball club oh sure thank you paul oh no he was he was he was awesome and you know, I got to know him uh, quite well way before my time with the Giants because he was the offensive coordinator for the Cardinals when I was in Arizona. And uh, I became very good friends with Jim. Um, and it's just very sad. I, I had that, put that up on my Twitter page the other day and, you know, when I heard the news. But he was a guy that was always helping me on and off the field. Um, we became buds uh, at practice. We would always hang out and, you know, and when there was defensive periods going on and he wasn't doing anything, he always, always supported my golf tournament. I used to have for muscular dystrophy for 15 years in, in Phoenix. Uh, he came to quite a few of those events and, um, and really helped. Uh, he wrote, wrote a check for those every single year, um, gave me a donation. And then the greatest thing about it was uh, the year before um, I was, ca- I came to the giants. Um, Jim Fossil was telling me how uh, he's going to, you know, he's going to come, come, this is kind of, who cares? I mean, he could tell it to me now, it doesn't matter. But he was saying, we really would like you to be being in a New York Giant one day. And I was, you know, I was like, wow, that's, that's awesome, you know, just to come. And then it all happened. Um, and it was the strike of 1201 on free agency, the day that, that it started at 1201. I got that official call from, uh, from Jim Fossil and the rest was history. You know, so. it's very interesting, Jeff, when, when we talk about him, uh, in northern bergen county which is where he lived 
you talk about him being at your golf tournament and participating. He actually had a hole and a putting green in his backyard. <laughs> I know. I mean, he loved his golf. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. And we played golf a lot together. And, uh, you know, I, I, I know exactly the house that he that he lived in over in Hohokus. Um, um, it's been for sale a few times, and that it's still back there. By the way, the the Is putting it? greens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. It's a feature of one of the of the house. But um, big golfer. Um, a lot of fun to be around. Jim was, and what a charitable uh, guy he is, and or was. And I'll tell you, um, the players loved loved him because he was, you know, he was the players' coach, and uh, guys loved to be around him. And um, he was a he was a tough cookie too, by the way. I mean, a lot of people think he was just kind of a pushover here and there, but he was he, he was a tough guy when he when he had to be. And I enjoyed being around him, and uh, certainly going to miss him. Marty, glad you brought up Coach Fossil while Jeff was on the show today to give yeah, Jeff an you. opportunity, you know, to talk about him. And certainly, you know, if we didn't say it the other day, condolences to his family and friends and those who knew him. Jim was certainly a very pleasant personality to be around. No doubt about that at all. <laughs> Anything yeah. else? No, just just thanks for putting, uh, you know, everything in perspective with the, uh, you know, especially with the Ring of Honor thing because, uh, you know, that uh, – you know how you explained it puts a puts a, you know puts the right light on it. So well, yeah, yeah, you have to consider the company that you keep, and those other guys are are pretty lofty company. But I, I appreciate the question, Marty. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Be well. You know, you want to hear a funny story? I know I like to, I have sure. you know all my stories, and and John's on the other line today, so John likes to hear some of these <laughs> fossil story. Um, and I know you've been around here. I think. John obviously came a little bit later um, after he was gone, um, but it was so funny. You know, he used to he used to he was a closet smoker, right? And so he used to <coughs> excuse me he used to go in at halftime or even after the game um, and go into that coach's room and you know he would light up a cigarette and 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 try to smoke that thing as fast as he could before he could come out to the to the uh, the locker room or give us you know whatever and the thing about it is my locker was if you remember the old locker room Paul sure my locker was on the very very end so closest to the meeting rooms and the coaches locker room and I could smell the cigarette smoke just constantly coming out of there well you were and, right around the corner from where the entrance to the showers were well that's the that's the second place I, right. I was okay the, the first time I was closer to but anyways my the funny thing about it is that he used to throw on this cologne man I mean he was <laughs> just just painted on him just to stop the smell of the, of the cigarette smoke and uh and one day he was walking out and i said to him i said hey coach jim hey i, I think that i think the cigarette smoke probably smells better than the cologne Did that you you? And he goes shut up Feagles. and he just kept walking on <laughs> now remember i i had i had a really good relationship with jim you know so i mean it, we've gone back a long time so it was easy for me to say that to him i mean i sure. can't imagine a rookie or somebody saying that to him but he used to just paint that cologne on uh and it was a dead giveaway you know it's a dead giveaway mm -hmm. so uh, anyways, it was, it's, uh, he, had, he was a good guy. What a man. Folks, remember, limited Giants season tickets are on sale now for the 2021 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just $100. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets information. And don't miss out on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giants games and world-class concerts in 2021 as a Giants suite partner. Limited full season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. By the way, let's get vaccinated. Go to covid19.nj.gov slash vaccine to register. Again, so glad to hear Governor Murphy here in New Jersey say we could have a full stadium this fall for the NFL schedule. We go back to the phone lines. And, John, you're next on BBKL. Hello. Paul, I don't even have the city up yet. I'm still streaming him. Come on. Oh, sorry, John. <laughs> I jumped the gun just a little bit. I didn't know if you were going to put a city up or just leave it the way it was. 973-667-1960. Uh, is our phone number on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Uh, I will say one thing about this minicamp, Jeff. He is ready now, by the way. The first way, couple Paul. of days, 90 mm -hmm. degrees and oh, yeah. horrible humidity 
which of course is great for conditioning. It was in the 80s and a lot less humid today. Yeah. Well, they, listen, the guys, they, they, the coaches love that. You know, can show the guys that are in shape and <laughs> got to be careful. You know, if you're out there in 95 degree weather and 95 percent humidity and you're not in any any bit of shape, you're gonna, it's going to show. <laughs> it's going to show quickly. So glad they got through it. Yeah, today was a little bit better. Yeah. All right. Now we'll, we'll try John from Maine. You're next on BBKL. Hello. Hello, Paul. Hello, Jeff. Um, Hello. I wanted to mention uh, two things. First of all. Because of his height and vertical and his experience as a tight end in high school, I think Ellerson Smith could be a red zone uh, target. So I, wanted, I want the Giants to, you know, do that. <laughs> you know, he's 6'6", six, six, and he's got a 22. Well, he's you, and feet you know, he sticks I, his arm I, Yeah, well, Kyle Rudolph is 6'5", right? So okay. now I appreciate the fact that Smith is six 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 seven, depending upon which listing you'd like to believe. So he's got a little bit of height on Rudolph, but but Ingram has got six five height as well. Uh, Galladay's okay. what six four? I mean, do, I don't know. Are, are, are you thinking that they really need more height than those three guys? Well, we'll see. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, John, if we see Ellerson Smith come out into the offensive huddle, we will know that you gave Coach Judge and Coach Garrett the idea. Well, the other idea I had was because of uh, everything, I think, and I never heard anyone call this exactly, although Gifford might have been. I'd like to call, in my mind, Eli Manning, Mr. Giant, because of his durability, his character, everything. I can't think of anyone who gave more to the Giants or re, re, um, reflects the Giants better than Eli Manning. So that's uh, hey, well, that's a pleasant thought. I'm not going to argue Jeff, with you, you there. You play that's with Eli? Sure. Well, no. I mean, come on. We all. No one's going to argue with that. I, I feel like you know he's just, and I, I know him very, very well. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't. I mean, the guy is he's amazing to me. A great athlete, good, great team leader, good teammate. Um, an ambassador for the team, champion. sure. Yep. So I, I don't have any. I got no problems with that. You know, I mean, I don't know about guys from like Mel Hines Day or any of them. I'm sure there were a lot of great guys. And of course, um, you know, we have war heroes and so on. But um, when I think of the Giants, I think I it's think tough like with the the length of this, uh, the, the duration of the mm-hmm. franchise, and the tradition of the franchise. I think it's yeah. difficult to name one guy as Mr. Giant. You know, you mentioned right. Gifford as a candidate. Uh, as as much as I, you know, I'm a big Eli Manning guy. But, you know, mm-hmm. there, there are a, a, a number of guys who certainly mm-hmm. would be contenders there. So I probably would rather not name one if it were up to me. And it's not up to me. But feel free to call Eli Mr. Giant if you'd like. <laughs> okay, maybe one of one of Mr. Giant's. <laughs> That's okay. I think Mel Hines Modern day Mr. Years. Giant. There you go. Yeah, one of Mr. Giant. Can I just say one little story? Um, uh, yes, John. I, you know, I think the team now is, is really growing like they did in the mid-'80s. And I remember 84, the day of the draft. It was like 9.30 in the morning, and I was outside a sandwich shop in Wyckoff, New Jersey. It was like 9.30. I was supposed to go to work at 9, but, you know, it was draft day, and, and they were going to interview George Young. And they did, and he said, uh, what are you going to do with three, George? He said, we're going to go with Banks. And all he said, as I remember, was another brick. And that's how we're, we're growing here. One, If you look at all these guys they brought in, they're one at a time, and it's, it's going to come together, I think, very soon. Very soon. So I'm happy about that. Well, well good. I'm I think uh, from your lips you. to the football God's ears. <laughs> Bet. <laughs> Thank you, John. Jeff, uh, we have another tweet that uh, I'd like you to respond to. It's uh, a guy named S, and he's at William Tell. He says, Darius Slayton is going to have a huge season. He says, uh, was it Carl Banks who had said before the Kenny Galladay signing that Slayton could develop into a number one? Think of what he's going to be doing with all that attention being directed at him from the defense now that the Giants have other weapons. Your thoughts on Slayton? 
Uh, well, listen, I, I think his rookie year, he showed everybody that he could get over the top on some of the uh, defensive backs and safety. So that's a good thing. And we got some deep speed there. Um, I think his durability was good. Um, he's got good hands. And, you know, last year, I think he took a little step back, you know, that sophomore slump, if you want to say. But listen, I think that he's got a, a great chance to have a good year, like he, like you're saying. And because you're right, these, there's so many other guys around there that the other teams are going to uh, look at but you know don't don't think twice that they're not going to pay attention to Darius Slayton either because he guy's pretty darn good um, I think that now that he's got a second year in in Jason Garrett's system that that'll help him as a young player and um, yeah I think we'll, we'll see what happens you know Jeff I want to throw him a, a real high five here because Last year, he played most of the season with an aching foot Mm -hmm. and yet put up similar numbers in terms of catches and yardage. Now, his touchdown receptions were down, but quite frankly, the Giants' aerial touchdowns were down across the board anyway. Mm -hmm. I think he really gutted it out last season. And to perform at the level that he did, I'll be honest, I gained a whole lot. Not that I didn't have respect for him as a rookie, because he was a good first-year player. Mm -hmm. I gained even more respect for him for being gutsy. Yeah, and so did his teammates. Um, You know, that's something that's really important in the locker room. Uh, guys that you can you can kind of count on, you know, and it goes both ways, Paul. There's guys that you know that are just there in the there in the in the training room constantly, you know, and they just you never know if we can count on them week one, week two, and then they come back for a few, and you know. But a guy that it goes out there and he's hurt and he's showing at his teammates that he wants to win and and doing everything he can for them, that goes a long ways in the locker room and uh, a lot of respect for him. So. You're not alone. A lot of guys uh, have the respect for him, too, and so does the organization when it comes down to that because, you know what, from an, from an organizational standpoint, you, you want guys that are going to fight. These are kind of guys that Joe Judge wants. You know, he wants those those uh, those dogs, the guys that are going to go out there and scratch and claw and do anything they can to win at all costs, and even if you're banged up a little bit, I can still count on you. And it may not be 100%, Paul, but I can still count on you being there you know, give me an 80% uh, slate and I'll, I'll take it. Well, look, as we hear all the time, and I've said this before during the opening theme that John created for this program, he talks about punching guys in the mouth for mm-hmm. 60 minutes. Yeah. He talks about hard-nosed football that represents the New York area, you know, the grit and the grind. And <laughs> if, if this team is going to win, they're going to win by doing those things. Right. Yeah, you have to. Exactly. Another tweet I've got here from Christopher Nails. He wants to know if the Giants go to the playoffs or deep into the playoffs at least, okay. do you think that Dave Gettleman would be front runner for GM of the year? <laughs> well, I think it's a bit premature to be yeah. talking that way, but my goodness, Dave has done an awful lot to rebuild this roster. Yeah, I mean, I think that's ultimately what they want to do, go to the playoffs. I don't I I, I can't I can't comment on, you know, awards and stuff, but yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, listen, that would be great. That would be that obviously they haven't been there in a long time. Um and uh they need to to do something and I think that this is the time. I think this roster has definitely uh been prepared and built to a point where Paul, I think that they can I think they can get there. And if he does, then then Dave Gettleman and his staff deserve a lot of credit. A lot of credit from what what this was two years ago. Oh, no question. 973-667-1960 is our phone number here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Give us a buzz and participate in the program. Uh, Jeff, one other item that, that I really wanted to get to, uh, you were out at, at practice yesterday uh, mm-hmm. during the mini camp, and you had an opportunity to watch some of the things that uh, you know they were putting forth out there, although we've discussed this, that there's no contact, a lot of individual drills, a lot of passing drills, some 7-on-7 seven seven and 11-on-11s, 11 11, but... Mm-hmm. You know, until guys start to hit, it's it's all shirts and shorts, and it's really, it's eye candy. But were there any takeaways, any gut reactions that you had from what you saw? Or, for example, and I've talked about this with John frequently over the last week, and I, and I did during the rookie camp as well, Aziz Ojolari. I mean, this guy looks ready to play right out of the box. Physically, he looks like an NFL veteran who's been in this league for four or five years. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is cut. He is thick. He's just hes just a 
big dude. He he he's not massive like a like a like an oversized giant or an ogre. He just looks like a really rugged, physical, tough, thick football player. He does not look like a rookie who has just come out of college. Not mm. by the, any stretch of the imagination. And that's something that just kind of opened up my eyes as soon as I saw him on the field because he looks like a player right out of the box. Yeah, I was trying to pay attention a little bit to that position group from where I was. It was tough to see some things, but um, Ellison Smith is another guy that I, I, I kind His of length. Think, I, I just have taken a liking to this guy. I, I, I think he might be good. I mean, I, I really see some things in him that, you know, he's a little bit raw, um, but his upside I, I feel can be tremendous. Really, put on a little weight. You know, get the, he's gonna he's gonna get in that weight room. He's gonna put on some NFL weight, which is you know the right things to do. And I think he can be really good. Some of the things that I was doing yesterday, and as I told you and John both, I was just trying to figure out the stupid numbers, man. <laughs> it's like <laughs> all these new numbers. Well, they and change the policies uh, now, which don't, well, doesn't help. But, you know, we all we do this every year. Every time we get together and see these players and the new guys, it's, it's just like trying to figure out these numbers, who they are and what they are. And um, it's funny because, you know, we talk about these guys so much, but we don't know their numbers outright. I mean, you might, Paul. I don't yet. Um, but once you see him, you're like, oh, okay. You got you got your your roster there, and you're like, oh, okay, 44. Who's the four? Oh, gotcha. Okay, that's right. All right. So that's what I was kind of doing. And um, a takeaway from the whole thing with the mini camp, I thought it was great just to see the whole team out there and bouncing around, and you know, uh, got the music going and guys kind of flying around to drill the drill, very organized as you would expect, and um, just kind of. And the the one one position group I did get to look at a lot because we were on that we were on the patio and that close field was there is a lot of the receiver drills and Kadarius Tony is is he's he's uh he's about as quick as I thought he was and um, moves very very smoothly and then Galladay is a guy who's got tremendous hands man was he making some catches yesterday and it wasn't just in the team periods and stuff it was in the individual things guys throwing around him made a one hand catch in the end zone. Um, his agility to be able to just just change direction and turn his body around to make some of those catches. I think we're going to see some really fun, fun things out of him this season. And the same thing with Kadarius. So I was impressed with that wide receiver group. And we've talked about this, John and Paul. Um, I'm sorry. We have talked about this is how deep that receiver room is and who's going to make those those end of the roster uh, spots. And it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Really, really, is. really interesting. Galladay is that true skyscraper, you know, mm-hmm. really more so than, than they've had since Plexico Burris. You could see it. Maybe he'll have the same effect on Daniel Jones that Burris did on Eli Manning. We certainly hope so. Tony, his hands are as soft as cotton. Mm-hmm. He catches everything, and it's so smooth the way he does it. And the jukes that he's got. You know, it's not flat-out burning speed. It's the quickness and the jukeability mm-hmm. that makes him so incredibly dangerous. I understand when he says that Alvin Kamara is a guy who he kind of modeled himself after because it's that stopping and cutting on a dime and changing direction, that jukeability that, that makes so many of these halfbacks so deadly. That's what, that's what Tony's got. Mm-hmm. So, so that really interests me. Uh, a couple other things that I saw, I'll ask if you agree, because we didn't have a chance to talk after practice yesterday. I thought Nate Solder looks really good, svelte, looks like he lost a little weight. He says he feels terrific. He feels healthy. Uh, he feels quick. Uh, that's a blessing for the Giants as he comes back after a, a year of opt-out because of the COVID situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that um, uh, Odenabo who comes in as a free agent edge rusher from the Vikings, looked a lot more felt than he did on tape with Minnesota and looks a lot quicker than I thought he did when I watched the video of him with the Vikings. Uh, so that kind of pleased me as well. Um, let me just think if there's, if there's anybody else who just really stuck out. I think Will Hernandez is thicker, and I mean that in a wide way, horizontally. I'm not talking about stomach now. I'm talking about his biceps, his thighs. He looks like he has added some some muscle and chunk onto his frame. And that's a good thing. Um, and, and I think the quarterbacks of all of them, and I'm talking about Glennon, not just Daniel Jones. I'm talking about Glennon and Thorson. They've, they've really thrown the ball well during this offseason. 
Yeah, but the quarterbacks, I was paying attention a little bit to them too, and you're right. I think that that's a good quarterback group. I think those guys will compete against each other. Um, a lot of knowledge there. You know, um, is it, it's Thornton, right? Is that how you say his name? Thorson. Thorson. Right. He, he uh, you know, being the younger guy of the – of well, I don't know. How many years has he been in the league opposed to Daniel Jones? Probably about the same, right? Or what? I don't know. I, I, I don't know who this guy I want to say he's a year younger. Let's, a let's, year check, younger. Out, let's check out his uh, his age. You go but, ahead and continue. But we know Gleason. He's been around for a long time. So, um, But that, that's, that was – they all threw the ball well. The big group, tall guys. <laughs> they, they are, Gleason is – how tall is he? He's got to be 6'6". He is a tall, skinny dude. Um, well, Th- Thorson's 6'4", and okay. he's 25 years old. Okay. Okay, as okay. opposed to Daniel, who's 24 years old. Okay, gotcha. And then, um, yeah. So. And, yes, uh, I, you, you are right. Mike Glennon. Glennon. <laughs> Compared Gleason. to those guys, he's a grandpappy. <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. Um, but big dude. So And lots of knowledge. You know, yeah. another another veteran, if you will, in that quarterback room like McCoy last year, right? So I, I think it, it helps. It really does help. Yeah, you did mention, I'm sorry, I misunderstood before when you said 6'7". Mike Glennon is, of course, 6'7", and he looks every bit of it. Yeah, he's I said 6'6". Six, six. I thought, <sighs> so he's even taller. <laughs> uh, you know, um, and, and he's age 31. Glennon, Glennon's very interesting to me because when you talk about the fact that he's played with Tampa and Chicago and Arizona and Oakland and Jacksonville, <laughs> it's like, well, wait a minute. This guy's bounced around everywhere. And, yes, he has starting experience. But you know what's funny about it? You look at his lifetime record and you see 61% completion percentage, 45 touchdowns to 25 interceptions. All right, not quite two to one, but certainly, you know, very respectable. Yeah. And, and you, you know, you, you say to yourself, I wonder why he hasn't, and you look at his arm, you say, I wonder why he hasn't gotten more of a chance, you know, because outside of that rookie year when he was with Tampa, and that was not a very good team, he started 13 games and was 4-9, and nine, but since that time, he hasn't really gotten a whole lot of opportunities to seize a number one job. And look, he may wind up being that David Carr guy who turns into a career backup after initially getting a chance. And if if that's what it is, then that's what it is. But I tell you something, physically, he certainly has some tools. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why he's still around, you know. So um, every team needs a good backup. And I think guys like him, if, they're, if they played in the league and have some experience, teams look at that and say, hey, Let's bring the guy in and see how much, you know, if he doesn't cost us a lot of money. And I think the Giants are at, to a point where they, they got to have some experience behind the uh, Daniel Jones because I think this team is ascending. And if all of a sudden you get into a situation where your team is doing well and you lose your quarterback, the last thing you want to do is have a guy come in here that hasn't played much. So I think that's the reason why he's here. 973-667-1960 is our phone number on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Paul Dottino and Jeff Fiegel's with you. Uh Another guy, I I don't want to be remiss and not talk about him because depending upon how Saquon Barkley's rehab goes, and Mm -hmm. we know that yesterday Joe Judge already addressed that, as did uh, 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 Saquon Barkley himself, no timetable, and that's fine. We understand that. But the Giants do have other running backs in camp, veterans. uh, There's Armstead, there's Clement, and, of course, there's Devontae Booker, who would apparently have the lead on the number two spot right behind Barkley and, of course, has to be ready to be the number one guy in case they need him. Booker, I'll tell you something, Jeff. Didn't watch a lot of him. You know, he started six games in a row as a rookie when Denver made him a fourth-round draft pick a handful of years ago. Got one start last year for the Raiders. And so it's a very small sample size. He's backed up for, for a couple of different running backs who had good seasons, so he never got much of a chance. In that regard, even though he hasn't had as many snaps as Wayne Goldman has had, he's one of those guys who... You look at him and you say, wow, he looks like he's got the tools to be good, but never really had the chance to break out of his shell and show it. And from watching him during this week's minicamp, I think I feel better about what Dave Gettleman said when he indicated to us a couple of weeks back that he could be a three-down back if he has to be called upon. When they first signed him uh, as a free agent off the Raiders, I was looking at him as a replacement for Deion Lewis as the third down back. 
Uh, you know what? Dave, Dave Gettleman may be spot on that this guy's more than that. Yeah, no, I, I, I thought uh, opposite of you. I thought he could be uh, a guy that could run the football and do it well. Um, you know, and, and I'm, I'm thinking here that if Saquon obviously comes back, um, well, when he comes back, it, it before if he doesn't come back, you know, the first game two of the season, then this is a guy that you're, he's going to be the guy. And so you're going to have to give him on first and second down. So um, and possibly third down. I, I didn't get to see much of him yesterday. I only know of what we scouted with him um, after we knew they signed him as a free agent. We were kind of doing some research on him and watching some stuff out. And wasn't uh, a lot of tape to look at, though, Jeff. You there's know, not, there really but, wasn't. I mean, there's so I think that, but I think that these guys uh, behind the scenes, they they do their due diligence with these guys, and I think that they see something that this guy can come in here with Jason Garrett's offense and help. And uh, certainly, they they have a lot of confidence in him. I have one other thing that I particularly wanted to talk to you about, and I meant to do it yesterday at practice, but I'm going to do it with you now on the air. It's not something secretive, and you can lend so much more depth to this conversation than anybody else can. Thomas McGeeky, the Giants Mm -hmm. special teams coordinator, as T-Mac as we like to call him and is nicknamed around the Giants facility, he was asked a question. And it's funny that someone should bring it up because it's something that that I've thought about and never actually talked to you about. And that is when you look at some of the inconsistencies that Riley Dixon had in the punting game, we don't really pay much attention to the fact that Cody Core, who was a sensational gunner two years ago and downing balls inside the 10 and inside the 5, was not there last year. He had blown out his knee. And the Giants went through a mishmash of different guys who were stepping up on special teams. And I think that, that Riley Dixon probably missed Cody Core a whole lot more than anybody originally thought. And I don't know exactly who the key guys are going to be, either Gunners or otherwise, on this year's special teams unit. But, Jeff, I'm curious as to your perspective on Dixon's efficiency, knowing that he did not have that specialty gunner who was so good at downing the ball near the goal line. Well, it's funny you you say Dixon. <laughs> Reminds me of another great special team player the Giants had here. And no, Ron was, Dixon, uh, right? Uh, the return yeah, guy. Dom, yeah, um, Hickson. <laughs> um, but I tell you what. And Dominic Hickson, guy, the return guy as well, yes. Yeah, that's who I was talking about, actually. Okay. Um, you're, I'm sorry, Paul, because you're you're cutting in and out of the headphones today, so I'm missing some of the, the what you're saying. Anyways, um, Dominic Hickson was a was an amazing uh, gunner for me. Um, could, would go down and just cover kicks like crazy. Uh, Victor Cruz, another. Um, excuse me, um, not Victor Cruz. Um, um, hello, who am I thinking now? Um, oh my gosh, it just slipped out of my head. Anyways. Uh, yeah, so he, he did definitely miss him, and I was talking to uh, Patricia Traney. Traney, is that Traina? Trainer? What's her yes, name? Yes, yes, Patricia Traney. Are you thinking about David Tyree, Jeff? Is that the other guy? You're David Tyree, about? thank you. Yep, thank no you, po- thank you, John. I appreciate that. I was going to give him a yeah. chance to come up with it on David his own. David Tyree I was, cheat. I mean, are you kidding me? David Tyree was my guy. I mean, we just played catch out there. You know, I kicked it, he caught it. Um, so as a punter, as a you just have so much faith in those guys then they're gone and then you got to try to find a new guy and then all of a sudden you don't realize these guys you realize these guys aren't as good as they are and then you start trying to do everything yourself and so that's kind of what I'm, I've never had this talk with with Riley yet and I probably will eventually but you know you can't do that you just gotta you gotta really trust the guys that are out there they may not be as good as the guys that left but you can't do it all yourself you've got 10 other guys in the team to help you um, and I think that that's kind of what Riley ran into last year and in the inconsistencies, trying to do things here and there. And um, you know that I'm not a big fan of all these Australian rules kicks that they have. And I think that a lot of these guys try to outsmart themselves by doing them. Um, I just, hey, have your bag of tricks and, and do them well. Just don't, don't, you don't have to have 25 kicks. Just have one or two and be good at them. So I think that having the right people and it's going to be interesting to see who those guys are on this roster and we've talked about this time and time again about how guys have to come into the training camp and realize that if you're going to be that fifth sixth seventh receiver if there is one you're going to play special teams that's why you're here you're not here to be a receiver 
You're going to be a special teams player and, and also with some of the defensive backs and safeties and linebackers. Those guys have to understand that's their way onto the roster. And if you have a good punt team and you have good gunners, it's a lot easier to kick. I can tell you that. And I had a, I had a handful of good ones. Even before I got to the Giants, I had guys, <laughs> and I'm sure that the, uh, John is laughing right now, like, oh, yeah, Jeff, name them. <laughs> what team did they play for? <laughs> but Look, I had you had enough trouble coming up with David Tyree. I'm yeah, not going to ask you for I, guys how did before I forget him. that one? But I, I know that you know there's there were some great great guys and and they make your job easy. So um, hopefully they, well, the well, Giants Jeff, will be able to find let, them. Let me ask you this, okay? What is it in your mind? Since gunners are so important to your part of the game as a punter, what does what are the the qualities that you want to see in a guy who is going to be okay, your gunner? That's a great we, question. we know it's usually a defensive back or a wide receiver. Yeah. To me, it's got to be a wide receiver because the skill set's very similar, right? You're lining up on the outside, and you have somebody in one-on-one coverage just right there in your face. Well, most of the time you have two trying to cover you. So I like the skill set knowing how to get away from some of those guys as a receiver. The flip of that is if you're a defensive back, you know, uh, you know, you know how those guys are playing you now, you know? So um, it's interesting, but I think that, the skill set to me is a wide receiver first. The other thing is, is you got to have guys that don't give up and the guys that they have to know how to get in angles. And when they're running down the field, where to be, you know, if those guys try to take you out of the play, you got to understand how to get back in the play and not, and not give yourself up because now you've, now you've gone, you've gone from 10 guys running down covering to now nine and you know, and there's other guys that aren't going to make the play. So you got to be tough. And you got to be resilient. You got to keep going 100% every single play because you never know. The guy might reverse the field and come back to you, and you got to make the play. And again, athleticism. I need guys that are athletic, that that ball's bouncing down there, and you can jump in the air and bat it back, or even grab it and hit it out of bounds. And while you're getting off a block, they got to be athletes. They got to be athletes. You know, one of the things that, that I always thought that Gunners had to have, and maybe you've kind of described this in a different uh, phrase or, or terminology, I always thought that Gunners had to be really good at hand fighting. Because if you're going to get off that line of scrimmage, you've got to be a good hand fighter. Am I right or wrong? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, you know, some of the swim moves that the wide receivers have. You know, they know how to get those, use their hands. And um, you're allowed to use your hands. You just go, just a lot of guys don't. And the other thing is that those defensive backs, the guys that are holding them up, um, they're mugging that guy. And you got to be tough and know how to split the double teams. And there's techniques that you, you see uh, Coach uh, T-Mac and, and, and Quinny doing out on practice field, working on those those positions and how they're able to get through the defenders. It's not easy. Not easy right, at all. We've got a couple of moments left. I'm going to keep it on special teams since we have Jeff Fiegel's okay. with us. And, Jeff, I, I would ask you this, too. A, a question was raised to T-Mac as well about the punt return game. And will Jabril Peppers hold on to that job? Or with the options that the Giants have, including Kadarius Tony? Might they have a competition and maybe somebody else wins the job? Um, I'm curious as to your thoughts on the punt return game. What What did he say, by the way? Uh, T-Mac said they'd have no problem if Peppers continued to do it, but they yeah. certainly would love to have options, yeah. and training camp will kind of sort that out for them. Well, obviously I was watching the punting yesterday because that's just a given, right? Well, so, that's kind of why I'm asking you. Yeah, and the other <laughs> and the other end of it were the guys that were returning them. And um, uh, Kadarius Tony was doing a good job at it. And, of course, we know that Jabril Peppers is is dynamic in itself. It's, fun if, it's kind of funny now that this Kadarius Tony guy's got here. You think that, like, you know, that uh, Jabril Peppers is chopped liver now because he's just, you know, <laughs> this guy's really agile and very good. But I would feel just the same way as T-Mac. I would feel comfortable having him back there. Giving them a first first down, give me a ten yard return. I think what's going to happen with Kadarius is he's going to get those one, two, three, four that nothing happens, and then all of a sudden you're going to get the big play. So I would I would opt for that. I want to I'm a big play guy there. Um, but one thing he cannot do, and I'm, not, I'm I don't even have to say it. You know he's got to give the ball back to the offense. Um, he cannot try to make plays and and turn the ball over. That that would be the fastest way off the field in my opinion. Well, I'll tell you, Jeff, we watch Tony, and again, he has very soft hands. It mm -hmm. doesn't matter if it's a pass or if it's a punt. He handles the ball extremely well. And I would say this, 
although Jabril Peppers was terrific as a return guy in college, and he's done a good job here in the NFL as well, mm-hmm. I think Tony has more jukeability, and I probably would lean towards making him the favorite to win the job, if it were me. I agree. Yeah, you know, I, I think that – and there could be some situational stuff there. Um, there might be two guys, two returners back there if some of the some of the punters are doing some directional kicking things and – and that's uh, and I tell you, that's intimidating. I've had that happen to me before. In fact, I remember the Ravens used to do it all the times to me. They would get, they would put two returners back there, and um, and both of them were pretty decent. So you know, I was always, I could kick away from one guy. It's hard to kick away from two, you know. Um, so <laughs> that's the, I would, I would probably deploy that. I might, you might see both of them, but I think Kadarius will be the guy. All right, that'll do it for today's show. Thanks, Jeff. You're welcome, Paul. Thank you for everybody for calling in. Thank you too, John. We will be back tomorrow with another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. That's Friday's show again all week long. We've been starting at 3 p.m. Eastern time simply because of the schedule change due to the veteran minicamp. But next week, we will be back to our original 12 o'clock time as we bring you another one hour of Giants football. Write down the number. It's 973-667-1960. Hit us up on Twitter at hashtag Giants Chat or at Giants WFAN and at Jay Fiegels. Thanks for listening to today's episode, folks. It's part of the Giants Podcast Network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and Giants.com slash podcasts. For Jeff, I'm Paul. John back at the controls. We'll talk to you next time.